Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, 9 a.m. How are we doing, Cornerstone? You're worshiping, ready to roll today. Well, before we get into God's Word, if you have a Bible, open it up. You should probably, you, you kind of probably know where we're at, Hebrews chapter 11. And if you would just open it up and hold it there for a moment. But before we get started, we're going to do something special. and We're going to have a, a little bit of a prayer time. Uh, we're doing this in second service, but we have a, a high school senior that actually he, he's not able to be here for our second service ceremony and he's going away to college and so we want to have him come up and and also um, man if you are a teacher in the house would you raise your hand if you're an educator a librarian you're going back to school this week if you're going back would you raise your hand if you're watching online dial in right we have a lot of people getting ready and then I see some young ones if you're a young one going back to school I see two over there I see some over there it's, it's less or if you're a college student Right? If you're in high school, junior high, college, would you just raise your hand if, if like, you are heading back to school this week? Educators, college students, we're going to have a word of prayer for everybody uh, getting ready for a big week. But before we get to that, Giuseppe, would you come on up here, young man? And uh, where's Jen at? And um, Pastor Greg or, or Caitlin, our, our team, if, if you're a young person in youth group with this guy, would you come up and pray with him? Pray for him. Where's our youth? We got some youth. It's 9 a.m. They, they usually sleep in and come to the 11, but there's a few of them here. But uh, Giuseppe, Miss Jen, would you grab a mic? And uh, we're going to ask him what's up really quick because we've enjoyed this young man. And uh, many of you may not know, but this, this young guy has been serving in our church for years and years. He helps you, you pack food boxes, you help with kids. He's helped with kids' ministry. He yeah. has been a part of so many things. And so he's a high school senior that we are um, excited to see what God's next chapter is for you. And also like some of these kiddos or like Scott and Miss Caitlin, freshmen that come back to visit with us and they college students. We're excited to send you away, but we're also excited to see more of you in the future. Does that make any sense? Sure. So where are you going to college? You're I'm going... going to Northern Arizona University. NAU. NAU. There we go. NAU. I remember doing a baseball camp at NAU in Arizona. It's a beautiful spot. So it's gorgeous. Are you excited? You ready to go? Very excited. Very cool. Well, we have a little book for you, and, and we'll make sure to have all of our pastors sign it and say a little welcome. But we want to we present you with that. And then, uh, Giuseppe, we are going to take communion at the end of service, but I know you have to work today, right? I have to work today. This guy got called into work on a Sunday, so we're pulling an audible. Yeah, boo. Somebody booed. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah, you got called into work on a Sunday, but that's all right. But we want to pray for you and um, just wish you well as, as you go. You know what? Let's pray for the teachers and all the other students going back to school at the end of service. But for right now, let's just let's pray for this senior that's going to be... Uh, into a new season in his in his life pg would you lead us let's do it hey and if if you guys want to yeah let's let's pray for this young father you tell us in your word that if two or three are gathered in your midst lord that uh, you're there with us 
that if we would touch and agree that we can ask for anything and you would answer that prayer. So, Lord, we ask as we come before you this morning for Giuseppe, we pray, Lord, that you would watch over him, keep him safe. Lord, I pray that uh, mom and, and brother and, and family, Lord, that uh, it's hard letting go and uh, a lot harder than we know of. Uh, and I just pray, Lord, that you would blaze the trail before this young man. You already have friends that are there waiting that they don't know yet of the connections that will take place. We pray, Lord, that in Jesus' name you will surround him with believers, with those that can strengthen him and pray for him. And, Lord, as much as anything else, Lord, you tell us in your word that we're to be a light on the side of a hill. And, Lord, we pray that you would give him and shine forth, Lord, with the light and the love of Jesus Christ. That everything that you have woven together uniquely in this young man's personality, you will use. Lord, he may think he's going to, to school for college education, which that's all well and good. But, Lord, you also have some divine appointments for him with people and with salvations. And we pray, Lord, that you would give him the boldness. Lord, that of, of Peter, when he preached, we pray, Lord, that you would give him the gentleness, Lord, of, of Mary when she knelt at the feet of Jesus with Martha, her sister. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would just watch over him, keep him safe, and bless him. And all of the kids that are, that are going forth, all the teachers as well, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome stuff. Well, Giuseppe, we will, we'll see you this, later this week, right? We'll see you Wednesday night. I think so. I think so. But we love you, man. And uh, my goodness, we're going to miss you around here. I'll keep this one with me. It's all good. All right. High fives galore. Well, if you have a Bible this morning, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. And would you open in your smartphone, open in the real thing? But we've been in this series called Sold Out Summer and talking about all of these heroes listed in, in chronological order, if you've noticed, we're just going right through Hebrews 11 and talking about each hero. And if you've noticed, a lot of these heroes have quite a few things in common. All of the, 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 the heroes that we have spoken about, have you noticed a few things about them? And, and, and I'll say it like this, a few things I've noticed is that they're all very human. They all uh, seem to take matters into their own hands from time to time. Uh, they all sometimes seem to get frustrated or delay God's promise, delay God's provision because of a choice that they make when they decide to take over and kind of override God. But the one thing they all have in common is that they understand that faith is risky. They understand that walking in faith is a risky business. They know how to put their hope and their trust in God when they are backed into a corner. And, and one thing we know about these heroes in Hebrews chapter 11 is that they, oftentimes we know there is a, a heavenly reward for their obedience and for their faith. But actually what we see is there's an earthly reward awaiting a lot of these heroes as well. I like to call them the hall of fame, hall of faith heroes and they all have a story of how they step out and how they step out with action and with movement and with faith and 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 it's interesting many times they don't even have good evidence of what they're stepping out into and yet because of God because of his calling because of their trust in him right God seems to create opportunities through challenges that each of these heroes face and God still does this 
for us, with us, to us today. We, we all face different seasons in life, don't we? Um, you know, I, I don't look forward to the season of sending my kids to school, but I know that's what we're called to do, right? It's like we are, we're not called to have 24-year-olds living at home and still drinking milk, right? And still drink, eating baby food. We're called to raise up our kids and, and raise them up in maturity and then have them go out. And so, my goodness, as we get into the Word today, we're going to look at another, uh, another group of people this time. We're going to shift gears a little bit. But we're going to see a, a people that is, they're going to face crisis. And how many of you have ever faced a crisis in your life, church? Would you throw your hand up? I look around and I see, I see some people that I know your story, right? I know a crisis, you know, is different than a regular problem. You know, if our, our bank account is running low this week and our credit cards, are, you know, there, there are problems that we face in this world, sometimes just uh, at work or sometimes because of our own decisions, but a spiritual crisis is different than just a problem. I'd say like this, a spiritual crisis is a situation where there's, there's no other solution but God to step in and handle this problem. There's no other solution but to, to, to be praying and to be saying, God, I need you to show up because my back is against the wall. God, there is no way out of this. There's no amount of money that will help me. There's no negotiating with someone I know. There's no hookups, whatever it is. You can't buy your way out of the problem. There's no favor to call in, but only God can come through. That's how you know you're in a spiritual crisis. Maybe some of us are there today. You have a health report. You have something going on in your family in a relationship where it's like, God, the only solution is, is I'm up against it right now. I'm, I'm between a rock and a hard place. I need you to show up. And God, if you don't come through, it's done. It's, this situ it's, it's over, right? So we're going to get into the Word today and Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28. You have a Bible? Would you jump in with me? Come on, y'all were rowdy during worship. If you have a Bible, would you jump in with me? Yeah, 9 a.m., you're dialed in and ready to go, right? Well, let's look at this. Check out these three verses. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on their doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. I love this passage in Hebrews chapter 11 because if you notice, church, right, every story we have told leading up to today, it has been about an individual hero. It's been about an individual person. We've talked about Sarah and Abraham and, and Moses. And you remember the guy named Enoch? How many of us remember Enoch? What a strange name, right? But so far, we've only spoken about individuals. And in the middle of all these quick descriptions of individual Hall of Fame members, we now see that the group dynamic of having faith is important. In fact, could we say it like this? Individual faith is important but collective faith possibly can be even more powerful do you catch that church number one would you write this down and as we get into it individual faith is vital but perhaps even more powerful is collective faith we're going to look at we're going to change uh, modes here today and talk about the israelites uh, a group of people who decide sometimes they need a little prodding if you know their story Sometimes they don't decide to move right away, but eventually they always seem to move, right? 
but we're going to talk about a group of people listed in God's hall of fame where their actions just seem to have massive impact because of the entire group. I remember uh, as a kid, how many of you ever go like swimming in a loved one or a family member's pool? And um, you, ever, you ever used to like try to empty the pool out with cannon bombs, cannonballs, right? And you think of this like as we talk about the, the difference between an individual versus a group, and we can still do this. My dad has a, a little pool today, and so you got to be careful jumping in, but you know, I can jump in or my little kiddos can jump in one at a time, and they're always, dad, was that a big splash? Dad, was that pretty cool? But the other day they did something where all of them decided to, they wanted to make a wave pool. And they all said, let's all start jumping in at the same time. And this pool is so small, when dad and uh, a certain, uh, one of my brothers decided to jump in, right? We were close to empty, I mean, we got the splashes, we got that thing, we were all jumping so much that we were about ready to empty the backyard, right? We're about ready to empty out the whole pool. And as the body of Christ, we talk about a ripple effect, right? Individual faith is so important, but as a body, as a group, as a group of people headed in the same direction, following Christ, we can have a massive ripple effect on our culture, on our block, on our street, in our neighborhood, around our country. Moses, I love it because he's this individual leader that inspires a nation to move that inspires a nation to take action time and time again. And we see the entire nation seems to grow in their faith because of Moses, because of Moses' walk, because of the way he listened, because of the way he honored God. Hebrews 11, let's look at these three situations. And Jericho, we, we're actually going to maybe get into a little bit more next week as we talk about another female hero listed in the Hall of Faith. Next week, we're going to get into the story of Rahab and look at a little bit of the battle of Jericho. But let's look at Hebrews eleven twenty eight. 28. Would you read it with me again? These, these kind of things that are happening here. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill who? Their firstborn sons. Um, I look at this, and it's easy to just read it, but when I, I just want to like place myself in this scripture. How many of you ever read things in scripture and you just go, that method is weird. No, you guys, you guys would just go put blood on your door tonight, be like, God, please spare me, right? We'd look like lunatics. We'd look like crazy people, right? God, God tells them, it, 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 not only is it weird, it's kind of gross, right? This is pretty gross. Like, and it's interesting to me, they didn't argue with Moses. They didn't argue with God. In fact, they did exactly as instructed. And as a group... They witnessed all of their firstborn survive that night. But what else, like as much as that would be exciting, what else did they witness? Because you better believe as a group, they woke up to screams and cries and parents that were heartbroken because they could hear it down the street. Their, their firstborns had been taken. This was such an, 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 a crazy situation. The devastation was so much. The Bible says that the angel of death even put to, get to, to death the firstborn of their cattle. He, of the Egyptian cattle, like this was, this was an, this is going to put them in economic ruin after all of the, the different things that had been going on. The Israelites had been slaves for hundreds of years, and here we get to see the beginning of their exodus from Egypt. If you have a Bible, would you turn it now, go all the way back, and we're going to hang out in Hebrews, but our core text today is going to be found in the book of Exodus chapter 12 and Exodus chapter 14. So kind of jump all the way back into the Old Testament. 
And uh, we're going to begin there. But this angel of death, this story putting blood over the doorposts, right? It, it's gross. It, it's, it's kind of weird. Um, it, it's just a plan that I, I find interesting, but I find it so interesting because they didn't argue with God. They said, you know what, God, I feel like you're telling me to do this, and I'm going to listen. And there was so much devastation. There was so much death in each house. And here's what the Bible tells us if you, if you kind of get into Exodus a little bit this week. It says that the Egyptians were so devastated that they decided to uh, encourage the Israelites to leave quickly. It was like they, they're, they're slaves, and yet they're like, can I help you pack? You guys need to go. Like, enough is enough. They'd seen the, the plague of locusts. They'd seen the Nile River turn. They, they'd seen enough. Well, number two, we're going to look at some deliverance and how this Exodus journey began for this people, the Israelites. But number two, would you write this down? We know it's God because only God can bring instant deliverance, right? And oftentimes, even in our culture, whether it's microwave dinner or McDonald's drive through how many of us appreciate things when they happen fast, right? How many of us get a little impatient when we don't get what we want right when we want it? I'm in that boat all the time, right? But we, we look at this story and we see God's hand all over it because only God could do this. Look what scripture says at the beginning of their journey. Exodus chapter 12, verse 33. Would you read it with me this morning? Now the Egyptians, they pressured the people in order to send them quickly out of the country. How many of you know you've lost your son, you've lost your firstborn? It is time for you to go. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. This, this God of Moses, this God of the Israelites, no thanks, we're done. For they said, we're all going to die, right? If we keep, which is probably a pretty fair assessment. If we keep doing this, what is God going to have to do to get our attention a little bit more is probably what the Egyptians are thinking. We're done. So the people took their dough before it was leavened. They, they, they took their bread bowls. They wrapped up their clothes on their shoulders. And look at verse 35 with me. It says, the Israelites acted on Moses' word. And get this, like this is, sometimes scripture is just cool, even though it can be interesting at times, right? It says, on Moses' word, they asked the Egyptians for silver and gold items and clothing. All right, now get this, right? They have been slaves for hundreds of years. And Moses tells them, you know, it's not enough that we're just leaving. Moses says, go ask them for money, right? Like, now's the time. Go ask them for, like, we, we need stuff to travel. It's like, we're going to drive across the country. We need credit cards. We need fuel cards. We need money to get where we're going. I think this is so cool. Only God could line this up. Look at verse 36. And the Lord gave the people of Israel such favor with the Egyptians that they gave them what they requested. And in this way, my translation says they plundered the Egyptians. I think of like pirates of the Caribbean. They just got it all. They got the stack of gold down in the cave, right? They, 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 just, they voluntarily gave it up because God had crushed them and broken them so much. The Egyptian captors are now begging their captives to leave. And not only are they begging them to leave, they're filling their pockets as they go, right? They actually pay them to leave because God's wrath shows up and it, it, show, it, it, go, it gets, goes upon them for their abuse of God's chosen people. They want them gone so badly. Do you need more silver? Do you need more gold? Do you, need, you need some clothing? You need, what, do you, what else do you need to get you out of our country because you have got to go? Does this shed some light, church, on just how fast God can do something? Right? We, we think about this. One night, 
they go from being slaves who don't own anything to being free people who are now wealthy. In one evening, God totally turns things around. Let's look at this next story. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29, it says it was by faith. And if you know the story, and we've, we've talked about it a little bit, Israel went through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. And then the Bible says, but when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. Now we know this story, and we're going to dig into it a little bit. If you have a Bible, would you jump to Exodus chapter 14? And we're going to look at verse 1, but soon after their economy was wrecked, soon after tragedy had struck their home, tragedy had struck the Pharaoh's home, if you know the story, right? The, the king of Egypt would actually, though, still come to regret his decision because I'm sure there was a morning where he woke up and said, we just let all of our free labor walk out the door, Right? He, he just woke up and, and, and something happened. He went, you know, we, we just let them walk out the door with money. We walk, let them walk out like everything was going well. well. You know, we can still, we can still rule these people. Even though God, you know, something happens. And Pharaoh, the Bible says, has a change of heart. And he begins to gather thousands of soldiers is what the Bible tells us. He begins to gather like 600 chariots. He begins to get his warriors together. He says, we're going to bring them back. I know we let them go. I know this happened. But you know what's so interesting to me? And, and we talk about it, but I just want to spend some time in it. It's so interesting to me, it wasn't just Herod's idea, was it? Bible actually says this, that what we often forget is that God played a part in changing the heart of that Pharaoh. God played a part. God goes, you know what, um, I'm going to allow you to back my people up against the wall. God says, I'm going to allow you to put them in a, a tough place. I'm going to allow my people to be put into a corner. And, and really what we're going to see is God's going to say, I'm going to set the table here, right? The Bible says God changed and hardened Pharaoh's heart. Exodus 14, would you read it with me? Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp. And you know what? These, these towns and cities, my goodness, camp at this place. Can I just say it like that? I'm teasing, right? Thank you back there. It's courtesy laugh. You feel for me today, right? But he says, camp between Migdol and the sea. He says, camp there along the shore, across from Baal, Zaphon. And then in verse 3, it says, then Pharaoh's going to think something here. God tells him, he says, Pharaoh's going to think you're confused. Pharaoh's going to think you're wandering through the desert. He's going to think you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. He's going to think, you know what? They're, they're trapped in the wilderness. In verse 4, would you look at this? He says, this is my idea, right? This is my idea. This isn't even going to be the Pharaoh's idea. He says, once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. How many of you at this point, I, I mean, if I were Moses, I'd be like, God, I love you, but can we just be done here? right? We know the plagues and all the different stories. I'm sure, like, there has to be a part where it's like, enough is enough. Well, enough is coming. God says, oh, I'm going I'm to wreck shop forever here. Let's look, let's look here. I'm going to harden his heart, and the Pharaoh himself will chase after you. I've planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. Pharaoh has been marked, folks. His army has been marked. His chariots, his soldiers, they've been marked, and they've been marked to show people something right? This is not a guy who would not want to be on this side of God's judgment, this side of God's wrath. They've been marked to die in essence, and their death is going to signify something to everyone who makes it out of this situation. 
He says, after this, get this, would you underline this? Will you circle this? Because I don't know what it takes to get your attention, Egypt, but look what he says. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Look at this end game with God. He says, after this, and I just sit here and I go, how, how much did they need to experience to understand who these people are? How much did they need to experience? Well, clearly it was never enough. He says, after this, they're going to know I'm the Lord. So the Israels did what they were told. They camped there as they were told, and they wandered around long enough for Pharaoh to begin to think they were vulnerable. And we see God set the stage. We see God harden the heart of Pharaoh. We see God moving and take, beginning to have a great setup, a great ending to this journey, to this exodus. But you know what's interesting? As more and more enemies begin to gather, um, some of us, I think the Israelites, have you ever kind of thought, thought about the Israelites in this situation? I'd just be like, God, like a few nights ago you were... You, you, you let us out of Egypt and we were, we were asking for money and they were giving us money. And now you're allowing us to be pursued again? I can't help but think like the Israelites, what must be going on in their head? And, and, and sometimes I think it must be like, God, you're allowing them to come after us once more? And I think sometimes we feel like this today. God, why does it seem like you're more on the side of the enemy than you are mine? You ever feel that way? God, why did my boss hates you? My boss curses you at work. God, why does it seem like you promote him more than you promote me? God, why does it seem like sometimes, right, like why are you blessing wicked people more than you're blessing me, right? The Israelites were set free, but only to have Pharaoh come after them. And you better believe he's coming after them more enraged than ever before. He's coming after them ready. He, he's gonna, he, you think he was bad before? He's coming after them. Exodus chapter 14, let's look at this. Verse 10, you ready for this story? Because it gets good, it gets good. It says, as Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, they looked up and they shouted out God's praise and said, strike him down, God, you got this. No, they, they responded like I think I would respond. There's 600 chariots, there's thousands of trained soldiers, they are coming my way, God, I'm freaking out, man. God, we're going to die. Look at what it says. They, 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 they panicked. They looked up and they panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They were gaining ground. They're catching up. And they're coming for them. They cried out to the Lord. And look at verse 11. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us here to die in the wilderness? Look at how quickly things change. You know, it's always interesting when, when things, you know, and you could probably relate to this in the workplace. You can relate to this at home, Right? When money's good, when the, when, the, when the tide is good, when the bills are paid, when, vaca when it's vacation mode, when we have enough to pay off all the debt, when the car payment's made, whatever it is, when things are going well at work, it's interesting, right, how, much, how, how easy sometimes life can feel, but when things start to turn, it's very easy to just start pointing the finger everywhere, isn't it? It's very interesting to look at your spouse and be like, why did you just decide that? Why did you spend that? Why did you say that, right? It's very easy to kind of begin the blame game in life, and that's what the, the Israelites begin to do. Look what they say to Moses. And, 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 and mind you, look at all of the things. If you know the story, look at everything Moses had done for them and with them. He'd been a part of this journey. He's not like, he, he has totally led them. Moses, why did you bring us here to die? 
Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us, Moses? Why did you make us leave Egypt? They were certainly happy a little while ago when the Egyptians gave them silver and gold when they left Egypt with wealth, but now look at verse 12. Moses, didn't we tell, we told you so. How many of you love that statement when somebody says that to you? I told you. Like that's so helpful, isn't it? Isn't it, right? It's so helpful. Moses, didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? Moses, we said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves. Let us stay where we're at. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. They said it's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. It's better to die in Egypt than to die in the middle of the desert in the wilderness. But now, all that excitement, right? Everything they were feeling earlier gets flipped around and it's all Moses' fault. Moses, you made us do this. We know there's two million of us that decided to follow you, but it's your fault. It's your fault. Let's go to Exodus chapter 14. Let's look at the next verse. But Moses told the people, and I love this honesty here with Moses, and I'd be interested if I could go back and see how his tone, what he said. He's like, I'm sure he's thinking, would you guys just be quiet for a minute? Have you ever had somebody just like nag you so much that you're like, I just need silence? You don't want to say the, the shut up word, right? There's kid, but sometimes you just want to say that, right? I could imagine Moses, and he, he tells the people, he says, don't be afraid, just stand still. He says, stand still, kind of like, stop panicking. Just stand still, be quiet, right? For five minutes. Watch, watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. He says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Has anybody here ever encouraged your kids? Has anybody here ever given a devotion? Has anybody ever encouraged someone at work? Has anybody here ever like put their neck out for someone? You've said something that is biblically true. You've said something that you know is a promise of God. You've declared it over a situation. And then after you went out on a limb and you said it, have you ever been like, uh, God, I hope you listen. Have you ever done that? Like, God, I just said what I know as a Christian I'm supposed to say and what I'm supposed to believe, but now um, I hope you show up. I hope you do it. I kind of wonder if that was Moses a little bit here. Like, he, he was the preacher on the pulpit saying the right thing at the right time, but there had to have been something in him like, okay, this is looking bad. God, you better do something here, right? God is going to fix this, guys. He's going to show up, right? But inwardly, I wonder if Moses was thinking, God, I just went out on a limb for you. God, I've gone out on a limb for you with these people, these complainers, right? You've brought us this far. You, you need to do something. You said, you'd, you said you'd handled it like now's the time, right? Truth be told, I think sometimes it can be frustrating to, to believe in God for something. But you know what's interesting? The older I get, sometimes we realize God, even though we believe in God for something, there are moments where God chooses to do something else, aren't there? Right? There's moments where God chooses to allow something else or to do something else. And that can be a frustrating part of following him. Clearly seeing those moments where you're like, God, I thought I heard from you. But you clearly had other plans in mind. And that's why faith is more than even just prayer. Because faith is risky. Faith is taking action. Number three, would you write this down as we continue today? Number three. Faith is believing in God's ability to do something, but also learning how to trust his timing to do so. It's learning in God's ability to do something. He can do anything, but trusting in his timing 
of when he's going to do it, right? Moses is in trouble. Time is about up. I remember feeling this years ago. I don't know if some of you were around us. I don't remember this was 2014 or, or 15, but we were looking at some land in Cedar City. Does anybody remember that? And we, we were looking and we were like, this could be a camp. We could do music camps here. We could do summer camps here. We could, do, we could send kids and have horseback riding lessons. We could have this amazing camp in Cedar City. And I remember thinking like, God, you've called us to take this, right? And I remember like when, when, when the appraisal came in and we gave in our bid that was, it met, you know, met the appraisal and different things. I remember thinking like, God, you clearly had other plans because they took the other offer. What's up with that, Right? I thought, I thought you told us to like go take that land. I remember we took like elders from the church. We took people up there to pray. We had, we had a whole team. It was exciting. It was like it was something new. And then God just decides to do something else. And you could feel like, like God, we just, God, we just, we announced something for you. We did something, right? But in the body of Christ, I think sometimes we have to be careful to not be fearful of stepping out. Not being fearful to look foolish. And, and even today, our world is is deteriorating let's face it like what we see is rapid deterioration of of man of of everything and it can be very fearful to look at what's going on out there of what's taking place in society we can panic we can be fearful and we know panic and fear those those traits they spread easily complaining groaning blaming those spread like wildfire but in our panic and in our fear i love what moses did he just said you know what this isn't my job god this is your job that's what Moses said he said I'm going to turn to you and that's what's interesting about all of these hall of faith heroes is not that they don't mess up not that they don't screw up but they all know where to turn they all know where to look when things get difficult Exodus chapter 14 let's move on to verse 15 can we keep going through this study a little bit you still here we all right all right then the Lord said to Moses and uh I think this is my if I could just stop the sermon I'm not going to. We'll, we'll finish a little more time. We've got communion. I think this is my favorite verse of today. He says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? <laughs> it's almost like he's saying, Moses, why are you still praying? Moses, why are you still talking? Moses, why are you standing still? Look what he says. He says, tell the people to move. Look at that. I love this verse. It's like the coach trying to, it's like the, Moses is on the field playing the game and the coach is like freaking get in the game. Like get to work, get moving, get your butt moving on his behalf. The coach is, coach is chastising Moses a little bit. God says, calm down, I got it, but you need to stop looking at the fear. You need to stop looking at those, those soldiers that are coming for you. You need to stop rehashing your old mistakes and your fears and the things that scare you. But Moses, you need to move and you need to move right now. Let's read that again. He says, the Lord said, why are you crying out to me? You get the people moving. Tell the people to get moving. Verse 16, and here we go. It's that Charlton Heston moment. Pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea. Moses, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Moses, close your mouth. Stop complaining. Now's not the time for talking. Now isn't even the time for praying, really. And, and like prayer is so vital and so important. But God says, Moses, you got the green light to take it. You got the green light to go. Move. Stop talking. 
And he raised his staff, and the sea, the Bible says, divided on its own. And as we get ready to close today, Danette, would you come up on the, on the keys, and we're going to get ready to come before the table of the Lord. I just want to ask you this question, because I could finish here, really, is, is God waiting for you to take a risk with him? Number four this morning, many of us are waiting on God when the reality is God is waiting on us. Would you write that down this morning? Many times we're praying, and we're praying, and we're praying, and we're praying. And it stops there because we don't move. Many of us are waiting on God when the reality is God might be waiting on us. Might be praying for something over and over, but faith by itself without action isn't exactly faith, is it? Faith requires movement. Faith requires action. It requires what we know, what we think, what we hope for, what we believe to come out through our hands. It requires what we hope for to come out through our feet, to come out through our movement. Let's finish up our last scripture of today. Can we get a little more scripture today before we close? Come on. Exodus chapter 14, 26. Here we go. When all the Israelites had reached the other side. I love this. The Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. And then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. The waters returned. It covered all the chariots, the charioteers, and the entire army of Pharaoh. All of the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. God's plan, God's setup, God's motives totally revealed. Not only did the Israelites witness God make a way when there was no way for them, but God, the, Israelites, the Israelites witnessed God bring the waters back. And they got to witness God take care of business to not only harm their enemy, but to decimate their enemy giving them free access to go wherever it was they needed to go. And you know what? Even at times, what I love about the Israelites, we see this over and over in the Old Testament, even at times, they, they, they move a little slow. They move a little begrudgingly. They move with a little bit of stubbornness, but they always eventually seem to move and to take a risk with God. And I think sometimes the reality is they, they said this, they're like, it's better to be a slave and die in Egypt than to die in the wilderness, right? I think that was a sense where they just were comfortable in that, that sense of being defeated. They, they were comfortable with being marginalized. They were comfortable with, with being slaves, right? And they were comfortable risking very little. And sometimes that is so true for us, isn't it? We're just comfortable in risking a little bit. We're comfortable in risking, God, I'm going to trust you with $50. God, I'm going to trust you with this little prayer at dinner time. God, I'm going to trust you with little asks, but I'm not going to trust you with anything big. I think it's interesting. Why did God put the Israelites up against the wall? Why did God place the Israelites where there was nowhere else to go? Why did God put them between a rock and a hard place where it was like we have uh, an army in front of us and a sea behind us and there's nowhere to go? And I think the reason God does this in our lives and why we walk through things, he, you know, he either allows things to happen or he causes things to happen. That's the reality for us, folks. We, we either believe that God, God allowed something to pass through his hands or he actually caused it. And the reason I think sometimes he does this is because he wants us to know when he brings deliverance, when he gains the victory, when he wipes out that obstacle that was in front of us, he knows that in that moment, the only thing that our natural response will be 
is to give him the praise, is to give him the honor, right? Somebody say amen, right? Verse 18, and here's what it's all about. And there's a couple different translations, and I love this. Verse 18, it's kind of God's motive. This sold-out summer series, we've seen uh, all these different heroes, and we're going to see more and more. We're going to talk about Rahab, and we're going to talk about uh, 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 Samson. We're going to talk about some different people, but we're going to see where God's power tends to be revealed when his people step out, when his people take a risk. And what's interesting is I think God's motive was he wanted the Egyptians and he wanted everyone to know that he is God. Look at verse 18, Exodus 14, verse 18. He says, when my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. They will know that I am the Lord. I like the, um, the English contemporary version. It says this, it says, the Egyptians will know for sure. They will know for sure that I am the Lord. So as we get ready to close today, do you have your, your elements? Do you have the communion cup? If you have that, would you begin to prepare it? If you need, if you need one, would you raise your hand in the air? Miss Jen, Miss Caitlin, we'll have our team get you some communion. Would you throw your hand up as we get ready to come before the table of the Lord today? But there's a theme that I think we see all throughout the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. It's that God seems to put them in situations that don't make sense. And how many of us can relate to that today? God puts you in a situation that it doesn't seem to really make sense. And there's a reason for that. Because when God puts us in those situations and then God comes through, he wants us to know and to see that he really is God. He uses these stories, these heroes of the faith, so we can have more faith, that we can take more steps, that he can bring victory when victory seems totally unreachable and totally impossible, that he can deliver that which we think through human eyes is totally undeliverable. It's, but I think like this, like, so look at verse 18 one more time. And this is what I was thinking about this week. Because it's easy to hammer the Egyptians here, right? He says, when my glory is displayed through them, and he's like, when you see what I do through Israel, all of these people, all these pagans, all these Egyptians, they will see my glory, they will know that I'm God. But he says, the Egyptians will know for sure that I am God. And I think, as I was reading this this week, I want you to do something really quick. Instead of reading it saying, the Egyptians will know for sure that I am God, throw your own name in there for a second. I think sometimes I'm challenged. I said, like, God's saying, like, Joey, what do I have to do to get your attention? Think about this, church. Like, insert your own name into that story. What does God have to do to get your attention? God, what does God have to do to get you to move, Right? And that's what he said to Moses, Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to go. Why are you crying to me? Tell them to move, right? And I think sometimes it, it's like we grow up in church. You could be brand new to church or you could be here, you know, 30 minutes or 30 years. But sometimes we just get really comfortable doing the Jesus thing for decade after decade after decade. decade. But I think what God is calling the church to in this season Right, this, this era of, of are we in a recession or are we not? Are we still in COVID or are we not? No, 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 he, he's saying, it, it, people move. What do I gotta do to get you to go? What do I get to get you to do to, to tell the world about me? What do I get, get you to do to evangelize and spread the name? He's calling us to get up and move. 
Get up and go, Moses. Don't talk to me. Go, right? Get moving. And I love it. It's like the, the, the encouragement I get from Hebrews 11 is that we all have the ability to be a kingdom hall of famer. We have the ability to be a kingdom hero and we can impact and we can usher in something new in the life of our home, in the life of our kids, in the life of a marriage, in the life of a city, in the life of our culture, and something new in the life of our church. Oh my goodness. But he's calling us to, it's like that, I love that scene in Avengers where Captain America finally says, assemble, right? I think that's what God's calling, that verse, I love it. Moses, stop talking. Moses, stop crying out to me. Tell the people to move. Tell the people to move because I'm ready to usher in a new season of goodness. I'm ready to usher in a new season of grace. I'm, usher, I'm ready to usher in more and more forgiveness for a culture that is more and more broken by the minute. But you got to just move. My goodness. I love that word. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. We come before you and God, we pray that we wouldn't just read through your word and clap and say, that's awesome. But God, we pray that you would move us to action today. Thank you for the ability to gather here. But God, we realize that some of us might be waiting for something. Some of us are waiting on, on God, but the reality is God's just wanting us to move. God's waiting on us. I have a question as we close. If you've been following Jesus for years, is there something that you're waiting for? Is there something that you're complaining about? Is there something that you're waiting on? And here's the big idea. What area of your faith has been reduced to just prayer? Is there an area of your life, and I don't mean that in a bad way, because folks, we need to be in conversation with God all day long. We need to be walking with the Spirit all day long, talking to Him all day long. But what area, is there an area of your life that has been reduced to simply prayer and no action? all talking and no moving is there an area of your life and I encourage you to just offer him that if you've been following God for years decades it's probably an area where your faith has been reduced to just talking with God and not moving with God or for God so God we ask you to convict and your Holy Spirit to show us that I want to ask you today too maybe some of you are here today and in this 9 a.m. service. Maybe you're watching online and you're not sure why you clicked in. You're not sure who brought you to church or why you even arrived here today. But maybe you're here today and you've never made a decision at all when it even comes to faith. You can't, you can't take that walk and make a step of faith because you're not even sure if you have faith. And so that's maybe a group here today or one or two of you here today that you want to say, you know what, I, I, need, to, I need to get more faith. I need to get into God's house. Well, let me tell you how you get into God's house or how you get more faith. It's, it's not really simply because you drove somewhere, you showed up somewhere, but it's because you chose someone. That someone is Jesus. You get more faith by putting your hope and your trust in Jesus. The Bible says when you acknowledge him, when you become a Christian, you become brand new. That you're never going to be the same, that a new life can exist, a new life can begin. And I want to ask, is there anybody here that you just feel like, you know, you need something new? And that newness can only come from a name. That newness can only come from one person. That forgiveness can only come from one person. His name is Jesus. So I want to ask you, the Bible says there's a way that we do this before we come before the table of the Lord, is, is we just acknowledge him. 
The Bible says that Jesus was fully man, yet also fully God, that he came to the earth, that he was here. The Bible says that he went to the cross. The Bible says that he was sinless in every way. The Bible says that he was put on that cross like a lamb who was sacrificed. And we, we, we talked a little bit about things on doors and sacrifices that sound a little bit weird, but the Bible says Jesus was sacrificed for us. That he went to the cross, that he died, that he was put in a tomb. And the Bible says that three days later, that he was no longer there, but that he had rose again. And it says that he was seen by many days and days later, and that he ascended to heaven. And he's there at the right hand of the throne of the Father, making an appeal for us today. He's making an appeal for you today. If you're watching at home, if you're watching online, if you're here in the house, I want to ask you, do you want to acknowledge Jesus? You want to acknowledge him. You can do it just by praying. You can do it by just confirming it in your heart. One of the things I like to do is just ask people to lift their eyes or lift their hands my way. Just lift one hand and say, you know, I acknowledge him. The hand going up doesn't make it something official. It's just a nice way that we physically like to see what's going on in the spiritual realm. There was a thief on the cross next to Jesus. He couldn't lift his hand. He probably could barely talk as he was suffocating to death. But the Bible says that he said to Jesus, Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said, yes. He said, this day you're going to be with me in paradise. And I like to just say that. If, if you're here today, if you're watching online, and if you need to say those words, Jesus, remember me. Jesus, remember me. If that's you, would you lift your hand this morning? Would you lift your eyes my way? I'm just going to count to three and ask you to lift your hand and acknowledge Jesus in this house. One, two, and three. Is there anybody here this morning? I see you over there. I see you over there. Amen. I see you over there. I see you over there. I see you back here. I see you over here, young lady. I see you over there. I see you handsome. For those hands that went up, and maybe you're acknowledging him for the 20th time or the first time, but can we pray this, church, before we come to the table of the Lord? Jesus, I open my life to you. Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior. Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness and your guidance. Make me brand new. The Bible says that you are not the same anymore, but a new life has begun. Let's pray this, church. Jesus, help me focus my life on your word, your roadmap. Help me to trust you. Thank you that I can start new. And can everybody say this, because we need to say this on a daily basis. Jesus, would you come and be in charge of my life? Can we say that, church? Jesus, be in charge of my life. Amen. Can someone say amen? That's awesome. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.